are looking at understanding uh, of the importance of being rooted and planted in the person of Jesus Christ. And talking about being rooted and planted, right? There are so many ideas and that there's so many thoughts and theories that, that go through our mind when it comes to our spiritual lives if you give it enough thought. You remember those one of those moments where you just sit back and, and kind of, you know, just lean in at the same time into, into how your spiritual life uh, is going, how your life is going for that matter. And, and it's in those thoughts where, where you give um, so much importance or so much, uh, you know, deep thought in terms of knowing more about Christ. I, I wonder if you have those kind of moments, introspective moments uh, with yourself and see whether you have grown up in a, in a uh, whether you've grown up listening about Jesus in or outside of a church setting, I'm sure that every single person listening to this or watching this has their own set of ideas and theories about Jesus. Can we agree on that? Right? And, and in these last few weeks, we have been talking about looking at the person of Jesus from a fresh lens, right? And understanding him as we go deeper and move closer in our spiritual journey with him. You know, in the last few couple of weeks, we have been, we have been learning and we saw about the majestic nature of Christ and the awesomeness of Jesus, uh, where we were reading from the text that we read and knowing that Jesus Christ is not just another deity that, that's supposed to be worshipped or adopted, but he is the one true living God, right? And uh, everything has been created in him and has been created through him and for him. Uh, we, we also saw that how Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the entire fullness of God is, is dwelling in Jesus Christ. And, and I think it's so essential for, for all of us to know these absolute truths about Jesus. Because sometimes, I, and this is, this, is, this is the entire thought on, on my, on, uh, this is the entire thought on which my talk for today is based on. I don't know if you've been in this space where we, we have a particular understanding about God. We have a particular idea, like I said, about Jesus. But it's, it can be possible that our ideas and theories about Jesus may not always match, match up to the truth that is mentioned or revealed about him in, in the Bible. Well, we're going to be diving into to, to some of the basics uh, of knowing more about the supremacy of Christ and, and kind of really putting it into practice by the end of this talk. So I've titled this one, Bridge the Gap. Bridge the Gap. Because the manner in which you view and experience Jesus will impact every area of your life. I want to say that again, the manner in which you view and experience Jesus will impact every area of your life. See, uh, I, I want to say this and, and you might want to hear this well. If, if your understanding about God is just from a textual reference, we miss out on the true intimate relationship uh, with, with Jesus. We miss out on the true intimate personal relationship with God and, and maybe... Uh, this, this is what I was thinking, right? Maybe 
That's why we see so many people who are so fluent and familiar when it comes to the scriptures of God, but are so distant and alienated from experiencing and modeling out the love and the peace that Jesus has to offer. On the other hand, if our, if our understanding of God is just based on experiences, whether, whether they are your personal experiences or even you have grown up listening about someone else's experiences that have really inspired you. We, the danger of that is we are building a faith that is, that is shallow. We're building a faith that is very shallow foundation and, and that something that lacks scriptural depth. And, and then, you know, come, come, to, come to everything that's happening around us in the culture. If our understanding of God is just based on, 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 on playing catch up, or if you're just too focused on playing catch up with the culture around us and you don't want to have any kind of FOMO in your life, you know, that further impacts your view of Jesus. Because then, right, everything is relative and, and everything is okay and everything is all right. I want you to know this and know this really well, Zealous. We cannot always allow the cultural norms to override the spiritual truths of a Christ follower. It just doesn't work that way because, you know, if, if we go on that, truck, uh, on that track for a long time, the result of that is a faith that is gullible. The result of that is a faith that is hybrid and eventually immature. And, and that's when a relational journey with Jesus becomes a religious burden. That's when a relational journey with Jesus becomes a religious burden. And, and I want us to focus on this, this scripture that we're going to be reading uh, today, uh, continuing from the book of Colossians, where Paul is helping the, the same community that we have been talking about over the last couple of weeks to help them know and understand what they have received in Jesus is so much more, is so much, so, so special, is so important. And, and he helps them know about it from different ways. And so let's turn to Colossians chapter 2 and, and we'll read from verses 11 to verse 17 and today we're reading from the message version. So if you're there, uh, let's, let's read together. Colossians 2, 11 to 17. And this is what it says. Entering into this fullness is not something you figure out or achieve. It is not a matter of being circumcised or keeping a long list of laws. No, you're already in. Insiders, not through some secretive initiation rite, but rather through what Christ has done already. What Christ has already gone through for you, destroying the power of sin. If it's an initiation ritual you're after, you have already been through it by submitting to baptism. Going under the water was a burial for your old life. Coming out of it was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did Christ. When you were stuck in your old sin dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought to your life right along with Christ. Think of it, all sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, the old arrest warden cancelled and nailed to the, to the Christ cross. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe and their sham authority at the cross and marched 
them naked through the streets. And this is what it says. So don't put up with anything pressurizing you in details of diet, worship services or holy days. All those things are mere shadows cast before what was to come. The substance is Christ. The substance is Christ. Let's pray. God, we just want to thank you so much for this opportunity that we get to do life together, even though it's virtual. I pray for every single person watching this or even listening to this, whether now or even in the days, months or years to come. I pray, Lord, that the reality of the person of Jesus Christ would be revealed through this entire conversation, Lord. I pray against every distraction, against anything that would be trying to steal away the essence and the importance of your word. Take it away, Lord. Let there be clarity even as I bring forth uh, these few thoughts that you have deposited in my heart. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. This is, this is, such, this is such great stuff that Paul has, has penned down. Right? And, and his encouragement and his teaching to the community of, of Colossians right now, what we just read, is to help them mature in their faith and, and uh, uh, mature in their faith with Jesus and to help them discern well. Can, can, can you guys say that, discern well? If you can, maybe just type that out as well. Discern well from practices and environments that would keep them caught up in the grip of religion. He's trying to set them free from all of that and, and help them understand that, guys, the main thing is Jesus. The main, the main essence, the, the, the true essence of our, of our faith is Jesus Christ. And I believe as a community of Christ followers, Zealous, as much as we want to understand and believe in the supremacy of, of Christ, we must live our lives according to that truth as well. So, so for the next few minutes, I, I just want to share with you a few things where God has personally challenged me when it comes to knowing about something and actually putting it into practice. Have you been in that space where, where there's, there's a massive difference between what you really know and what you really do? We'll get to that, but, but maybe to help all of us come on the same page, Jesus bridged the gap between God and humanity through his sacrifice on the cross. Right now, now most of you know this. Some of you, if you have grown up in the church setting, you would have heard a lot about these kind of talks during this, this Good Friday service or, or every time the, the cross of Jesus is mentioned. We know that Jesus died on the cross. We know that he, he, he gave his life on the cross. But what was the true essence or what was the reason that he did that? Or what makes Christ supreme? One of the many things that makes Christ supreme is his sacrifice on the cross. That was enough for the entire human race to have access with God once again. If you go back and read the entire narrative of the creation story, we see that man had lost its way to, to God and, and there was a massive divide, there was a massive void and that, that gap has been bridged by, by the life that, and the death and the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. So you see, because of that, we don't need any other ritualistic approach when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. We don't need to offer any, any sacrifices or we don't need to offer any or give in to any religious customs or practices when we come before Jesus Christ. Because Jesus 
was the perfect and blameless sacrifice that has paid for the penalty of your sins and, and my sins. And has, he has defeated the power of sin over humanity. That is what Paul has, has illustrated. That is what Paul has written and helping these guys know that Jesus has done everything. See, because of our faith, it's, it's our faith actually in the finished work of the cross. It's our faith in the finished work of the cross that leads us in freedom and in a restored relationship with God. It's, it's so important. It's, 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 it's the true essence of knowing Christ is also when we know what he has done for us. It's the true essence when we want to believe in the supremacy of God. One of the way things that makes him supreme is, is a sacrifice on the cross. And, and this, is, this is what I want you to know, right? That if, if we believe that Jesus Christ is the highest authority in our lives, if Jesus Christ is, is the savior, if he's a redeemer of all humanity, not just a few, not just the Christians, not just the Jewish people, not just, not just the Christians or the churchgoers per se, but if he's a savior and redeem, redeemer of the entire humanity, that is our conviction. That's, that's our conviction that we live by, right? I, I hope and I pray that you are convicted that when you, when you hear about what Jesus has done for you. And, and conviction is great. Conviction is so good. But... Just being convicted about it does not always lead to the application of this absolute truth in our lives. You know what I mean? And, 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 th and now, I think, church, I think, zealous, it's, it's time that you bridge the gap between your conviction and your commitment. It's time, if you, if you, if you missed out that one, it's, it's very simple, but I want you to hear this again just so that you don't miss the essence of what, what God wants us to hear right now. It's important that we bridge the gap between your conviction and your commitment. See, because what we, what we really believe and how we respond to that belief is so important. I, I remember when I was prepping for this, I was reminded of two of my friends and, uh, uh, one, one, was, one was a, one was a uh, girl, both of them were girls. One was from well, Korea, her name was Shanae, and the other was Sandra, she was from Uganda. And, and both were amazing vocalists, they, they loved singing. And, and I remember when we were on a team, uh, on, a, on a worship band together, uh, they used to help us, coach us a lot and give us, a, you know, these few tips about how we can up our vocal game. And I remember, you know, one of the things that, that stands out to me about, about these two, two girls is that they were so committed and they were so convicted about their the, the vocals. They, were, they, they loved singing. Okay, but at the same time, they were really committed to make sure that they took care of themselves really well. Let me give you an example. I remember those conversations where, where Sandra literally used to scream at me. He, she used to yell at me. She's like, Nath, if you're so convinced and if you're so convicted about singing, singing well, you have to be committed about taking care of your, of your, of your throat as well. And I was like, man, that, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense because as long as I practice, 
as long as I give given everything, I think I think I was okay. But then, you know, she some of the things that she helped us understand, you know, the way how you how should how you should take care of your diet, the way how you should protect your throat well, the way how you should, you know, take care of your sleeping patterns, especially when you're singing, and all those things that come into play just for that for that half an hour or those 25 minutes or whatever time that you're going to actually going to be singing on stage. It's not just that 25 minutes that matter, right? We all, we all know that. But you can't be convicted about something and not committed to it. In the same way, I, I remember, you know, my, one, of my, one of the ways how my journey of prayer was, was, was shaped and actually formed was when I started hearing these incredible stories and testimonies that started coming alive in, 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 in my friends, in my mentors and in my leaders. And, and I used to hear some story, I used to hear some testimonies and, and one of the most common thread in all those stories was the power of prayer. And, and, I, started, and I started questioning myself that, you know, I, I, I believe in the power of prayer. I mean, we all do. I hope so. And, and we believe in the power of prayer. But how, the question that I really asked myself was, how committed uh, I was to the, to the lifestyle of prayer. You know, because you can be totally convicted that God hears your prayers and you can be totally convicted that God answers and, and responds to your prayers. But then you, you can totally be not so committed when it comes to actually sitting down and praying about it, right? And, and that's, that's what I'm trying to help you understand. God, God literally put, down, put, this, put this thought on my heart to share it with all of us that zealous, it's time that our convictions and commitments like you know pretty much come together it's time we bridge the gap between our conviction and commitments because here's the thing i this is this is so important you need to write this down our convictions are displayed and modeled out in our commitments our convictions are displayed and modeled out in our convic in our commitments see the people in in close going back to the to, to our text for today, uh, they had received Christ as a, as a savior. They had received Christ as a personal savior in their lives, but it was not so evident through their lifestyles because of the, because of the patterns and other practices that they were subscribing to. If you, if you go and read that part, you'll see that they were, they were talking about worshiping angels. If you, if you read that, you'll come across that they were talking about observing various festivals and pagan festivals and, and pagan practices, various cultic practices that were creeping into the church and Paul is calling that out he's saying guys what are you doing the substance is Jesus Christ don't fall into the trap of, of doing extra and ordinary things just so that it comes across cool just so that it comes across very 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 uh, uh, you know pseudo Christian or very very superficial he's calling that out and these are the things that the church in Colossae was battling against and he's, the, he's, he's kind of nudging them, he's kind of reminding them that Jesus needs to be evident and visible through your lifestyle. Which leads me to ask all of us about this simple thought that I got and I, and I penned it down. Is Jesus evident through my lifestyle? Is Jesus evident through my lifestyle. Think about it for a minute. Is Jesus evident 
through your lifestyle. Because we can talk about the supremacy of God. We can talk about Jesus being the highest rank and the highest authority in our lives. And, and that thought or that conviction can remain a conviction or we can put it into practice. And I think today, God is really challenging us. When I was penning this down, God, God was really challenging us that if we really want to grow, if we really want to mature uh, in, in our journey with Jesus, we need to put all of these things into practice. Because responding to the supremacy of Christ and growing in it requires commitment on a consistent basis. It requires commitment on a consistent basis. See, our, our moments of professing and making our public faith through water baptism, that's a, that's a commitment. Our times of not just, not just reading the word and like just, just scraping through it, but allowing our lives to be transformed by the scripture for the better. That's a commitment. Our, our times of, of, of our dialogue with Jesus through times of prayer, that is a commitment. And, and our weekly community gatherings, even though they're virtual right now, that is a commitment. And you see, it's all of these timely and consistent commitments that help us be rooted and planted in the person of Jesus Christ. You know, baptism is one of, the, one of the best decisions you can ever take if you have committed your life to Jesus. Because that's when you are making your faith public. You are saying that, hey, you know what? My old life is gone and I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. That, that's what Paul is helping them understand. If, if you're talking about falling into a, a trap of rituals and, and, and customs and religious traditions that you think is going to get you closer to Jesus, that's, that's not how it happens. It's, it's a consistent, you know, relational journey with, 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 with a, within a community or with a community that helps us grow and mature in our walk with God. You see, these are, these are so basic, these are so practical and tangible steps that every Christ follower has to take if you want to mature, if you want to grow, and if you want to flourish, right? That's, that's our word for 2020, but I'm telling you, it's these tangible steps that consistently help us in bridging the gap between our convictions and commitments. Every time we show up for a connect group, every time we show up for a Sunday gathering, every time you take out time to, to read and pray, uh, to read the word of God and to pray and have that conversation with God, you are bridging the gap between your conviction and commitment. I know this, is, this sounds very easy. It can come, it's so easy that you can even miss out on it if you don't put it into practice. And, and that's what Paul is helping us understand. As we, but, and, and as we close out on this, I just want to maybe close out with these couple of verses that Paul is sharing in the same book in Colossians 3 verses 16 and 17. But, but before that, let me, let me baby, let me help you uh, with this story. You know, one of the things that I really cherished uh, uh, in, my, in my earlier journeys during my college days was this two-year course that I did in bakery and confectionery. Uh, I loved it. I, I thoroughly enjoyed my college days during those times. Made some great friends, learned some, learned some fantastic stuff about baking and everything. Half of which I do not know maybe, but I've not gotten a time or a chance or an opportunity to bake in these recent times. But I loved those, those two years. We got to learn some crazy things. And I remember it was in the first year uh, of that course, six months into the course, uh, we, we had um, 
a balanced way of, of you know, learning the theory of baking and also taking our time and, and you know, doing some practicals where we used to bake uh, some, some products. First six months into the course and we, we go in for one of our practicals and uh, the, the, the practical that was, that was prescribed on our, on our notepads and everything was so different and we started off doing something totally different. We started off prepping for a fruit cake. Uh, wedding cake, fruit cake, whatever that was, I don't exactly remember, but it was, it was uh, the prep that we had to do where we had to soak all the dry fruits in, in, in these, uh, these massive glass jars because you really need to allow the, this, this thing to be marinated well. Uh, all the dry fruits, the, the, the syrups, the juices, and, and also the alcohol or the rum that is put in this, in this mix. So we had, to, we had to soak all the fruits in those juices and, 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 uh, and the syrups and the, and the rum and really blend it well. And that's what happened in the first six months. And, and I was like, okay, a few of us were curious because, okay, I was like, when are we going to make this cake? Found out that we were going to make this cake next year, guys. Next year. And, and uh, the professor told us that, he, you know what, we're going to keep this, we're going to keep this in this manner for about a year. In that glass jars, they were going to store these containers, glass jar containers with the, with the dry fruits and, and all that mix soaked in. And at every regular intervals, we used to come back, open those glass jars, stir it a bit so that the blend was good. Uh, if it required any additional syrups or juices or additional rum, we used to put that, stir it again and, you know, store those glass jars. And it was the next year is when we actually went ahead and made that, that wedding cake or that, or that fruit cake. And... I'm not a fan of fruit cake. I don't love. I don't like it at all. But I got to tell you, when that cake came out of the oven, man, it was one of the best fragrances of that of that cake mix that I I can ever remember or I can ever imagine. And the the, the blend, that that fragrance, that taste, and all of that was possible because of that one year process where the blending took place. All of that was possible because, you know, of that continual stirring of, of the dry fruits and the syrups and the juices and the rum that kind of came together. The, the fruits were absorbing all of that and, and, you know, that was just so beautiful. Now, keep that in mind. And with that in mind, let's read Colossians 3 verses 16 and 17. And this is what Paul is saying. He says, we're reading this from the Passion Translation. He's, he tells them, let the word of Christ... Live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with the Psalms and with festive phrases and with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit. So sing to God with all your hearts. Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes out from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus the anointed one and bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. You see in these verses Paul is actually helping them focus on something beautiful. He's helping them focus on this phrase the word of Christ. Live your life. Let the word of Christ live richly flooded with you in wisdom. That's the starting of verse 16. Now I want you even as I close out 
I know it's the end of the it's the end of the talk, and and maybe you guys, I hope you guys are not zoning out. But listen to this because that's some. This is something that's really gonna help you get this and help me drive this home really well. The Greek word that's used here uh, is the word logos for the word word. Okay, the Greek word here is is the word logos, and that's where we find our English word for logic or reason. Now. The earlier Greek writers and philosophers used this word to define a concept they called the divine reason, right? Stay with me for a bit. I, I'm really driving something over here. They called the logos providence. They called it nature or or God and the soul of the universe. And because they, these guys they were in search for the idea for this idea of logos, right? And and they really tried everything possible to kind of fit it in that in that particular context in the Greek uh, writings. Now here's the amazing part, okay? John, who is one of the disciples of Christ, describes Jesus in this same manner at the opening of his book. We're just going to read John one one, and this is this is how he describes it. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. This is John one one in the NIV translation. Now John, he's doing something very interesting to kind of tease the readers who are reading this, because what he's doing over here is he uses a very rich, a very profound, and a heavy loaded Greek word logos to describe Jesus. To describe Jesus. Now, according to the Greek language, right? Logos was was like an abstract concept or a principle that the early Greeks were searching for. It was abstract. It was it was a concept or a principle that these guys were searching for. But John is helping every person reading this know that Jesus Christ is the pre-existing logos. And he the reason he says that is because you know you see Jesus reveals the Father to humanity across the entire Bible. Jesus is that divine reason. John is saying that he is that divine reason, and he is the divine will and the word by which all the worlds were framed. You see, according to the scripture, logos is not just another abstract concept or or a mystic concept, but Jesus. Is the absolute truth. Jesus is the absolute truth and a person. Logos is a person. It's not just a set of rules that are mentioned in this book that we have to follow. But because it's a person and not an abstract concept, we have the ability to relate with Jesus, who is the divine reason, who is the sense, who is the, who is the pre-existent logos. And it's this divine supreme reason who has brought us back to life by paying for all of our wrongs, ensuring that through our faith and trust in Him, we can build our lives and mature in our journey with Him. You see, guys. So, so when Paul is talking about the Word of Christ, it's it's this person. It's a personal relationship with with Jesus and the person of Christ that helps us bridge this gap. It is the same gap that he, that Jesus Christ bridged about 2,000 years ago um, on the cross of Calvary. But now it is also up to us. Can you say that it's also up to me to bridge the gap between our convictions about Jesus and our commitments to Jesus? And and 
And you are the best person who can answer this for yourself. You are the best person who can, who can, who can know the, the space in your life or the place in your life where you maybe need to start or restart some things when it comes to your commitment in your walk with Jesus. And I believe as, as you have been listening to this talk, as you have been listening to, to whatever we have been discussing right now, God has been reminding you of a few things already where you can start. So I want to tell you, I want to encourage you, catch on, catch on to those things. Hold on to those things and start there. Let your convictions match up to your commitments as well. And let's dive deeper. Let's really dive deeper even as we pursue Jesus even as we pursue Jesus who is the pre-existing logos and the preeminent one because Jesus is the one that we're going after church God bless you we're so glad you've been listening in if you'd like to know more about us follow us on insta at zealous pune or visit us online at zealous.community